Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned and unmerited favour, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. And just share a quick message uh, on Christmas, uh, especially in the times that we are living in. And uh, when we look at uh, this season that we are in, a lot of people have different interpretations to it. Um, hence, we, we see a uh, difference in how we celebrate Christmas. But I want to look at it from a Christian perspective. I know there are a number of different uh, narratives uh, from the past uh, uh, that, 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 that are so different, so wide, so diverse. But I want us to look at Christmas um, in light of Christ or in light of the grace of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ or the grace that came through Jesus the Christ. Now, when we look at Christmas, it is important that we don't just look at it in isolation, but we need to look at Christmas as part of a bigger story. Now, Christmas mustn't be looked in isolation. I'm sharing this from a Christian background, from a Christian position, that every time we are looking at Christmas, it is important that we look at it as part of a bigger story or of a bigger plan of God as far as his kingdom is concerned. And within that context of this bigger plan, I want us to zero in on the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, in theology, we speak of the, what is called the incarnation. In theology, we speak of what is called the incarnation. In simple terms, when we speak of the incarnation, we are simply referring to God or a deity assuming humanity or of God putting on humanity and revealing himself in the earthly realm as a man that is incarnation. So I want us to look at the birth of Jesus Christ within the context of Christmas uh, in light of what is called the incarnation. That is God putting on humanity. Now, remember, like I said earlier on, that it is important that we look at this not as a story in isolation or not as a revelation in isolation, but as a revelation that is part of a bigger plan of God. What is this bigger plan? It is the plan of redemption. The bigger plan that we need to filter Christmas through from a Christian back position, we must filter it through the, the, the story or the storyline of redemption, which I strongly believe that this is one of the central themes of the Bible, the story of redemption. As a matter of fact, this story, uh, we begin to see God outlining his plan of redemption from the book of Genesis chapter number 3 verse number 15. Genesis chapter number 3 verse number 15. We begin to see God outlining his thoughts, his mind, his desire as far as redemption is concerned. When we read Genesis 3 verse number 15, the scripture says, this is God speaking and he says, and I'll put an empty or uh, a difference between you and the woman. This was God having a conversation with the devil, with Satan. 
uh, after he had deceived man to disobey God. And now God is um, giving his mind, he's spelling out his thought as far as redeeming man is concerned. And this is what he says, and I'll put an empty between you and the woman and between your offspring and their and hers. He will, referring to the, to the seed of the woman, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, this was the first announcement of what is called the good news. This was the first announcement of the good news. So if we are to proclaim the good news, this is one of the best starting point. Now, it's quite interesting that what God is revealing here, when you come now to the book of Matthew chapter number one, verse number 21, we begin to see the fulfillment of this passage of the scripture. We begin to see the unfolding revelation or the unfolding fulfillment of what God spoke thousands and thousands and thousands years back. When we come to Matthew chapter number one, verse number 21, we see uh, the angel Gabriel visiting Joseph after Joseph had contemplated on leaving Mary because he could not comprehend this miraculous conception that had taken place. And Joseph had a visitation of God through Gabriel angel. And in verse number 21, the scripture says, she will give birth to a son. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will serve his people from their sins. Because he will serve his people from their sins. So right from the onset, we are seeing that the birth of Jesus was on purpose and also for purpose. Can I repeat that? The birth of Jesus, which we are celebrating in this Christmas festive time, the birth of Jesus was on purpose and also for purpose. And the purpose is what we saw from Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 15. And I'll put an empty between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. You will crush your head and you will strike his, his heel. And in Matthew 1, verse 21, we're beginning to see the unfolding of the divine plan of God of uh, of redemption. Now, it is important that when you come now to the book of John chapter number one, verse number one, we are seeing God, we are seeing God in the form of word. John one, verse number one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is God himself. But when you jump down to verse number 14, the Bible now says the word became flesh. Now we are seeing God assuming humanity. We are seeing God putting on humanity. It is now the word becoming flesh and that word dwelled among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father full of grace and truth so what are we seeing in john chapter number one verse number 14 we are seeing god assuming humanity that is the incarnation which is part of the bigger plan now according to matthew 1 verse 21 where we have read where i said the birth of jesus was on purpose and for purpose he was born on purpose and for purpose. And what was the purpose? According to Matthew chapter number 1 verse 21, it says, Because he will serve, that is where redemption is coming in. Because he will serve his people 
from their sins. But I like so much Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 14 to 17, how the writer reveals to us the necessity or the significance of the incarnation, why he had to become man, why he had to assume humanity. So let's just take our time and read Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 14 to verse number 17, and I'll read from the NIV. And the scripture says, since the children have flesh, since the children have flesh, speaking of us as people, since we have flesh and blood, he too, he referring to Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus too shared in our humanity or in their humanity so that, now this is the reason why he put on humanity. This is the reason why he clothed himself with humanity. The scripture says, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Can I just pause a little bit there? The scripture does not say so that he may destroy the devil. No. If the devil was destroyed, then we would be talking of the devil right now. But the scripture is very clear. It says so that he may break the power of him who holds the power of death. Who was holding the power of death? It was the enemy. It was the devil. So when Christ came, he came and he destroyed, he broke the power of him who holds the power of death. In other words, what Jesus Christ came and did, if you are to look at it through the lenses of Paul, when he was writing to the church at Colossae chapter number 2, I think around verse number 14, verse number 15, it says it was through the cross that he made a public spectacle of him. He made a public spectacle of the enemy and triumphing over him through the cross. Now, we cannot talk of the cross and not talk of the incarnation. It is the incarnation that opens the door to the finished work of the cross. It is the birth of Jesus Christ that opens the way for the redemptive work of the cross. I hope I'm speaking to someone today. So the reason why Jesus had to be born and assume humanity, even though he was God, even though he is God, the reason why he had to put on humanity and become like us, Hebrews 2 verse 14 says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shed in their humanity. He shed in our humanity. In other words, he assumed a human body and a human soul. He assumed a human body and a human soul with the goal that through his death in this human body, so that through his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. So in other words, what he did in his, in his incarnation and through the finished work of the cross, he destroyed. He came and he destroyed the power of the enemy. In other words, he disarmed the enemy. The enemy was disarmed. At the cross, the enemy was, dis was disarmed through the birth of Jesus Christ. 
the life of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the enemy was disarmed. Now, this is important for you and, uh, and you, child of God, today to understand that when we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, we are talking of a redemptive plan that came to disarm the enemy of his power. So right now, if you are a believer who is growing in the knowledge of the word of God, you must know beyond any shadow of doubt that you are fighting a disarmed enemy. You are fighting a disarmed enemy. Now, this was made possible because Jesus had to assume humanity. And it was in his humanity that now he was able to go on the cross and deal with the enemy on the cross. Now, some may ask, so why is it Joseph did not take part? as his real biological father. It was necessary. It was necessary. And I want you to underline this and get it at all costs. It was very important that the one who was going to come and redeem us, in as much as he was supposed to be like us, but he was supposed to be sinless so that he can take us out of the prison of sin. I normally think it this way. You cannot bath a baby, a dead baby with dirty water. Yeah, the very same way that you cannot bath a dirty baby with dirty water is the same thing. It was necessary that the one who was going to come and redeem us, he was supposed to be sinless so that he can redeem those who are sinful. Why? Because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we all became sinners. Romans chapter number 5, it speaks and it says, because of the sin of one man, we all became sinners. We all became sinful. It was because of one man. So it was necessary that one who is sinless must come and redeem us. Now, for him not to assume the sin in humanity, it was necessary that his birth be a result of the Holy Spirit the conception was supposed to take place as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit. Had it happened through Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, that means Jesus would have taken the, 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 the sinful nature as a result of the fall of Adam. But to, to, to ensure that his redemptive work is going to work in, in your life, in my life, it was necessary that he become sinless. Very important. That is why the Bible says the Holy Spirit shall come upon Mary and she shall conceive that which is of the Holy Spirit so that the one who is going to come and save us must be sinless. And I think there are countless pictures or prophetic pictures through what we call types and symbols in the word of God, especially from the Old Testament that are prophetic, that were pointing to this work of redemption, that the one who is supposed to save us must be sinless. We see this through the sacrificial system that God introduced, especially in the times of Abra in the times of Moses. So this is how it happened. Every time someone sinned and they wanted to reconcile their relationship with God, they wanted to mend their relationship with God, they had to go and take a, a, a sacrificial animal that was blameless without defects the one that wasn't blind that wasn't sick the sacrificial animal had to be spotless blameless now this was a prophetic picture 
pointing to the one who was going to save us, that the one who was supposed to come and save us, he must be sinless in order for him to redeem us who are under the power of sin and death. So as we celebrate Christmas, brothers and sisters, it is important for you to celebrate this time with meaning that we are celebrating the redemptive work of the cross. We are we're celebrating the redemptive plan of God to redeem you and I from the prison of sin. Now, as I conclude, it is important for you and I, as well as believers, just to go back into the scriptures and see what I can call the first interaction between the man, the fallen man, and the God-man. Who is the God-man? Is Jesus Christ, because he was both 100% God and also 100% man. But let's look at the first interaction. The first interaction that is recorded in the Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 11. I'm almost closing. Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 11. Um, it's, 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 it's a narrative of the Magi, the wise men from the East. Let me just put a correction there. A lot of our stories, they say there were three wise men. The Bible doesn't say there were three wise men. It was just the wise men from the East, the Magi. And when you come to verse number 11, the Bible is saying, on coming to the house, these wise men from the East, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with him with gifts of God, frankincense and myrrh. Right. But I want you to see the first interaction, the first interaction that we see happening between uh, the fallen man represented by the wise man and interacting with the God man, the God who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Bible says when they came into the room where the child was with his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped. What did they do? They went on their knees. In other words, they, they put themselves on a posture of giving honor. They were on a posture of giving ultimate respect. It was a posture of total submission. Brothers and sisters, as we are celebrating Christmas, may we have this posture in us, a posture of worship. A posture of worship where we are giving honor to our Lord Jesus Christ, where we are giving respect to him, where we are giving our total submission to him. What I like about this uh, first interaction is that every time you look at a child, this is me looking into the scripture. When you look at a child, a child speaks of the future. Right. While a child is a blessing in so many ways, but every child speaks of the future. That is why when parents bear children, they are rejoicing because they know that their name is going to continue to go on and on. So in other words, they are seeing the future of their family name in their children. So it is from that position that a child speaks of the future. So in this context, when we are looking at the child with his mother Mary, we are looking at the future plan of God. 
We are looking, we are beholding the future plan of God. And the, the, the wise men from the east, when they came and they seeing the child, they came and they submitted not just to the child that they were seeing with their physical eyes, but they submitted to the future redemptive plan of God. They submitted to the plans and the purposes of God that were embodied in this child who was called Jesus Christ, who came to serve men from their sins. Brothers and sisters, as we celebrate this Christmas, may we put ourselves in this posture of total submission, of submitting to the plans of God, of submitting to the purposes of God, of submitting to the grand plan of God of redeeming men from the powers of darkness. May this be the reason for this season. May this be the reason for you celebrating this Christmas. May your celebration go beyond the material. May your celebration go beyond Christmas lights and Christmas trees. May your celebration go beyond, you know, the gifts that we share with one another. In as much as all these are good because, you know, it's, it's, it's a joyful moment, but may we never forget to submit to the ultimate plan of God that is revealed in the person of Jesus the Christ. The bigger picture, the bigger picture that we need to filter Christmas through, it is the picture or the story of redemption. Jesus Christ was born on purpose and for purpose in order to redeem man from sin. What a good news. What a joyful news. That even though we are in a time of crisis and we're having to celebrate Christ in a crisis, in as much as we're supposed to have Christmas in a time of crisis, but there is the good news that is supporting this season. There is the good news that is giving the mood of and the creating the atmosphere for this season. And this is created by none other than Jesus the Christ. So as we celebrate Christmas, brothers and sisters, may we remember to bow down and to worship. May we have this posture on our hearts of bowing down and worshiping the creator of the heavens and the earth. May we have this posture, this heart of just giving respect, of giving honor to the one whom honor is due. So in that context, that means we cannot afford to dishonor Christ in this season because this season is all about honoring the one who came to redeem us. We cannot afford to disrespect him, to dishonor him at a time that we are saying he is the reason for this season. So brothers and sisters, as you're going to, 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 to rejoice and have a wonderful time with your family tonight and going into tomorrow, Christmas, and then Boxing Day, may we remember that Jesus Christ is the reason for this season. And from my end, on behalf of my family, and our church uh, in, in Milton Keynes Ebenezer Fellowship, we want to say a Merry Christmas to you. And I pray a Christ-centered Christmas to you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and also in the name of the Holy Spirit. Somebody go ahead and say Amen and Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny 
on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.